You're listening to the Godfather and Gorney podcast on Rivals.com with your hosts, the Godfather of Recruiting, Mike Farrell, and National Recruiting Analyst, Adam Gorney. That's right. Welcome back to another edition of the Godfather and Gorney podcast. Guys, it's been a little while since we've all been together. I think uh, we, you know, we we had the All Star Games and we had signing day. We had the early signing period. We had the All Star Games. We had uh, the, the no, we national had, signing had, day. We had rankings. Rankings. We had rankings. Yeah. Meetings. Then we had rankings released. Then we had early signing period. Then we had All Star Games. Then we had more rankings meetings. Then we had another rankings release. Then we had more rankings meetings. It's been ridiculous. It just doesn't We're too stop. busy for this podcast. Yeah. Yeah, people always ask me like, "When's your slow time?" I'm telling, "There's no slow time. There's no, no there's no there off season." No We've lost our all all of our audience too, by the well, way. I'm I, sure this one's gonna. I bet they're just waiting for this episode to drop. So, no, uh, yeah. let, there's get, rumors that it's coming. So, yeah. <laughs> let's get going. We had National Signing Day yesterday. Obviously, with the early signing period in its second year, uh, there, there's not as much drama, not as much hype, um, not as many kids signing, obviously, but. Man, Farrell. <laughs> I'm typing right now that the Gordian and Godfather podcast is coming back. I'm tweeting it out. Oh, yeah, you, were, you need you to get typing, this go viral. You were typing? I couldn't tell. <laughs> <laughs> Do you type with That's your funny. fists, Mike? I mean, <laughs> I, I type with two fingers, my two pointer fingers. I, wow. I glide around the keyboard like, you know, like a pianist. <laughs> I, I, just, I can't believe you just said that on the podcast. <laughs> Disgusting. Well, let's jump We're losing in. audience as we speak, so jump in. No, this is good stuff. I'll just do what I can to, to, to look past that and, and get into what we want to talk about. Obviously, yesterday, uh, Georgia edged out Alabama for their second straight recruiting title, and a big part of that was obviously five-star wide receiver George Pickens. He flipped from from Auburn to Georgia. That was the, the real big news of the day. Um, so let's let's start with there, Farrell. Uh, when you look at yesterday, like I said, there wasn't as much hype or as much drama coming out of yesterday, but what was the big news for you coming out of yesterday? Well, I think it was George Pickens. I mean, he gave them the title. Um, and this is controversial. I mean, other sites have Alabama as the number one class. Uh, there are, are coaches at, at Alabama that think this is the best class Nick Saban has ever signed. Uh, I, I don't believe that. I know he's had other amazing classes, and there's a couple others that I think are, are better than this, so I'm not going to go into it as to which ones, but he's had like seven five-stars in a class at one point in time, so this is a good class, a big class for Alabama, but George Pickens flipping from Auburn to Georgia did it. I mean, you know, that was absolutely huge. It was their third five-star, which matched Alabama. Uh, Georgia just has more guys ranked higher in the Rivals 100 than Alabama, so it came down to, what is it? 16 points yeah. between the two of them. One of the closest finishes ever, and we're the only ones who have Georgia number one. But it's kind of 1A and 1B. I mean, both classes are, are amazing. This is like the Bush-Gore election, Mike, if, of, of rankings. Well, this one's not fixed, bro. Oh, yeah, whatever, you Northeast liberal elite. Oh, God. Here we go. I don't want to talk politics with you, <laughs> California. Two California guys on the freaking call. I will say this was very, very close. Yeah, it was very close, and it was very interesting coming down the stretch because we had waited long, much longer actually than we usually did because Henry Toto, who had committed to Tennessee earlier in the day, uh, hadn't sent in his paperwork, and Tennessee held their 
their press conference and they had each position coach breaking down each of their players and how great players and people they are and Toto wasn't mentioned in that and then finally uh, I think it was around 4:30 Pacific time that 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 his paperwork finally came through so there there seemed to be a little bit of drama there going into uh, into the into the decision making because if he ended up going to Alabama which was the other option uh, they would have had the number one class, but both phenomenal classes. But, but Mike, does this speak something to Kirby and what he's doing? Is this kind of the start of the, of, of the takeover? Two number one classes last year completely obliterated the field with eight five stars. This year, a very, very solid class. And being able to go into Alabama and two of those three five stars are two the top two Alabama kids, the first time in Rivals history that any school other than Alabama, Auburn has never even done this, gotten the, the top two players uh, from the state of Alabama, and Georgia did it. Yeah, it, it speaks to where they're headed. You know, obviously they've been in the national championship game and lost in a heartbreaker. Um, they went to the SEC title game last year. Uh, the separation of programs out there is is pretty big, you know, when you're talking about the top five or six programs in the country. And Georgia's one of those. If they keep recruiting this way, I think Kirby Smart's going to win at least one national title. I mean, the way you look at our team rankings over the years, I think there's only been one team that finished first that didn't win a national title within the next four years, and that was USC. Um, and that was, I think, uh, like 2012 or something like that. Uh-huh. Something crazy like that. Um, you know, so Texas, LSU, Florida, USC, Alabama, Auburn, all of them. Um, you know, finishing the top 10 when they won national championships a couple of years before. So he's building something. The big question mark is quarterback. Obviously, they've got Jake Fromm. He's probably going to leave after next season. Um, so the window is a little bit close there uh, because, you know, they didn't bring in polished quarterbacks. Juan Mathis, the flip from Ohio State, is a question mark. Yeah. Might have to change positions but other than that there's really not anything you'd say about this class that you know makes you worry about the depth moving forward they want a defensive lineman they got a great defensive line class and and the other thing is they went anywhere they wanted and got anybody pickens was obviously the huge one but the seether kid the tight end from clearwater florida was down to georgia and alabama he goes to georgia tyreek stevenson a south florida kid this is a kid 10, 15 years ago, no doubt is at Miami. He's down to Miami and Georgia. He goes to Georgia. N'Kobe Dean, LSU, Alabama, Mississippi State, Georgia. He goes to Georgia. Dwan Mathis flips and and probably flips because Justin Fields left. Um, and that's a trade Ohio State would probably take. But still, getting him. Clay Webb, we all thought that that kid was going to stay close to home, probably Alabama. Kenny McIntosh, another South Florida kid. You, he went into Texas to get Lewis Sign. I mean... He went anywhere to get anybody he wanted, and uh, you know, getting Nolan Smith at IMG, phenomenal job. Dominic Blaylock had a huge Army game, or All-American Bowl game, as it's now known. Um, a very, very impressive class. And the kid that we haven't talked a lot about, but Trayvon Walker is the kid uh, that a lot of people love in this class and thinks that could be really kind of the superstar of the class. Um, so a, a real credit to Kirby and, and what he did. Being able to do that is, is super impressive. Can you guys hear my dog chewing on his bone? Yes. Yeah. I thought that was you chewing on a bone. No, it's not. (laughs) The only reason he's in this office, he's locked in the office because if I leave him out, he'll chew my couch. So it's either the bone or the couch. So this is how professional we are. My dog's sitting here making all this noise in the background while Gorney's making his 
tremendous points. But let's talk about Alabama's class because, you know, again, where do you find fault? You just don't. In fact, if we were rating these classes without the points system, I would probably lean towards Alabama hmm. simply because they got two quality quarterbacks in this class. I like their quarterbacks better, and that's really the only difference I see in the two classes. You know, they got a kicker, which kind of lowers your your average star ranking a little bit. Um, so we don't rank those guys that high. But again, we take the top 20 commitments, we put them in a system and a formula that's predetermined. And we figure out who uh, who has the best class, and Georgia came out on top. But you could easily make a case here. Trey Sanders at running back, Evan Neal at offensive tackle, Antonio Alfano at defensive tackle. Uh, there was just a report today by Bama Insider that uh, Alfano's already gained 17 pounds. I'm not at, surprised. He has that Alabama. frame. Yeah, he's that, he has that frame that he could he could be six five, three hundred and five pounds in in a snap. You know, he had no bad weight on him at, at the All-American Bowl. You surprised by Sopcher, Mike, going to Alabama? Yeah, I am. You know, I, honestly, if you ask me, did he make the right decision? You know, from a helicopter view, you have to think so. I mean, the way that produced defensive linemen at Alabama compared to LSU in recent years is definitely, uh, there's a big difference. I remember when LSU used to be D-line U, and they used to produce all these tremendous defensive tackles, defensive ends off to the NFL. That was a long time ago. Now it's Alabama that does that um, and does it very well. Now, I don't know. This is going to be very interesting because Nick Saban is known for getting the most out of his players. Yeah. That kid needs a fire lit under his butt. Yeah. And then he could be great. He could be absolutely great. But I will say this. He's ranked higher than Byron Young, but Byron Young is the guy that I'm looking at that could be that Quinn and Williams type, you know, Outlier in the Rivals 100, 6'5", 280, very, very athletic kid, um, a little bit raw. A couple years from now, we could be talking about him as the best interior lineman in the country. So they did very well uh, at the defensive line position for sure. They got two quality running backs. They got a good tight end. They did very well along the offensive line. Also, you know, linebacker was a big need. I think they got three good ones. They would have liked to have uh, one or more, one or two more. But there's really no weakness in this Alabama class either. And I think I think defensive back is where they did incredibly well too. I think Battle was in the five star discussion. Marcus Banks was phenomenal in San Antonio. Could have been in the five star discussion. The kid that they love apparently is the Jeffrey Carter kid. So right. Uh, uh, that that will be interesting. And and you know Saban's going to develop those guys. These big, long, athletic defensive backs i think they they have a tremendous class i don't know if it's his best class ever looking back um four years from now we'll be able to compare against that reuben foster class which was really good and 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 many many others we could go down an incredible list i think mike we might work on that story we could rank alabama's classes under nick saban that would be a fun story to do oh there you go yes you know i thought about doing that but that's i mean you're comparing Five-star class to five-star class to five-star class. It, it's a very compelling story. I'll let you do the legwork on that. Oh, okay. Thank um, you. Yes. Yeah, and then I'll just chime in. Okay. So Sounds good. Know. Yeah. Um, so let's look at some of the other teams in the top ten. Yeah. You know, the Texas-Oklahoma-Texas A&M recruiting battle in that area of the country is awesome, intrigues huh? me quite a bit. It's yeah. going to be great for the next few years. And, you know, obviously Texas A&M has the SEC to sell, but Texas has – you know, Tom Herman and, and Lincoln Riley is at Oklahoma, both of them recruiting at a very, very high level. 
they finished fourth, fifth, and sixth in the country. Um, and I think, you know, when you look at Georgia, Clemson, and Alabama as, you know, the sort of trio of teams in the southeast that are competing for the best kids, uh, Oklahoma, Texas, and Texas A&M are going to be competing for the top kids in that region for at least the foreseeable future. Yeah, it's amazing. It's amazing how it played out because LSU could be thrown in for a lot of those Houston kids and those West Louisiana kids. And um, But Texas, Oklahoma, A&M, this is the best finish for A&M in a, in a long time. Uh, I think I wrote that yesterday. I, I can't remember exactly where, but Jimbo doing an incredible job recruiting already, uh, locking up those five stars that he locked up, getting DeMarvin Leal, who, or Leal, who we all think uh, could be a superstar in college and in the NFL. It's going to be interesting how this shakes out because expectations for Texas are so high going into next season. And we're talking college football playoff level expectations. So if they don't deliver, it'll be interesting to see if AM and Oklahoma surpass them. But you cannot argue with what Oklahoma got. Um, you know, Spencer Rattler, who is, you know, in the, in the Kyler Murray, Baker Mayfield mole, r- role, uh, three five-star wide receivers. But then again, did they get enough on defense to compete for national titles? It'll be interesting to see. This is going to be fun to watch. Much like Georgia, Alabama, Clemson is kind of a cluster to watch. This Texas, Oklahoma, A&M cluster is fun to watch. And then is that college football right now? I mean, are those the teams that we're talking about? Who, who else sneaks in there? Oregon is not in the national conversation. Florida's not there yet. Michigan certainly isn't. Penn State isn't. Um, it looks like the teams that are really, really dominating on the field are recruiting at the highest level. Uh, and so I think they're separating themselves a little bit. Well, I have states up there. They just had a small class. You yeah. Know, when you look at the average star ranking, 3.71, they finished uh, sixth in the country. So just had 17 commitments, um, you know, but they're probably the only one outside of, and again, Texas A&M is not a national title contender. Let's right. Let's let's pump the brakes on that a little bit. We all know I loved Kellen Mond coming out of high school, and he's had a solid start. But mm-hmm. you know, it's not solid like start. A&M. Solid. Look at his stats. Did you look at the stats? Yes. He he overthrows. I mean, he he overthrows every receiver down the field. Oh my god. I, I don't even want to. Do I have to look up his stats? <laughs> Hold on, Perry. Do you want me to look up the stats? Yeah, you'd be our stat guy. Yeah, yeah, we need a stat guy. Where's our stat guy? (laughs) Yeah, what the hell? What kind of production is this? Kellen Mond. All right, 57% completion rate. Not horrible, not great. No, that's that's below average. All right, whatever. 3,100 yards (laughs) passing, 24 touchdowns, 9 interceptions. Ran for another 472 yards and seven more scores. So he accounted for 31 touchdowns, uh, nine interceptions, and 3,500 total yards. That's not bad for your second year as a starter. How many carries? How many pass attempts, though? That's the question. 415 pass attempts. 3,100 yards? He's averaging less than eight yards an attempt. That's good math. How did you do that so fast? See, I went to Penn State. Oh, that's right. Well, 149 carries. He's averaging 3.2 yards per carry. Terrible. Terrible number. <laughs> Terrible. I just said he had a, he's off to an okay <laughs> no, he's, start. No, he, he's fine. Didn't he's I say fine. okay start? I think I said okay start. The, the, Texas A&M is not going to be 
a, a national title contender as long as Alabama's playing at right. the level that they're playing at. But Georgia will be, Clemson will be, Oklahoma will be. I think Texas is in that discussion now. Hmm. Ohio State now. The team with the seventh highest average star ranking in the country is Michigan. Hmm. Are they in that discussion? No, I don't. I don't think they are. But it it, it is. You know, when we did this, we did a an Ask Farrell or a Rival View on this, and I said that Michigan had the most surprising recruiting class in the country because, by all measures, his first four years, Harbaugh's first four years there have been, you know, disappointing. Uh, they were in the they were in the discussion pretty much all year this year um, until they collapsed down the stretch. Uh, but but for him to recruit this well, we love the Cornelius Johnson get getting Daxton Hill back in this class. Flipping him, he was committed to Michigan, went to Alabama, then flipped back to Michigan. That was huge. Um, I think they have a tremendous recruiting class. I, I love Zach Charbonnet. I'll go on record to say he's going to be a very, very talented running back there. Don't take um, care of him. <laughs> Chris Hinton uh, had a great, great week at, at, at the All-American Bowl. If, if Alfano wasn't there, we would be talking about Hinton as the number one defensive tackle in the country. He was that good there. So, um, you know, Harbaugh will coach them up well. He'll have them in the in the hunt. But this is the question. Does Urban leaving Ohio State open up Michigan to become the team in the Big Ten? I still don't see it. Urban has recruited so well there. Ryan Day, you know, the expectation is he will continue that trend after this transition year. So, yeah, I think it's Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State, Wisconsin, Michigan State still uh, in the Big Ten, but I don't, I don't see them right now as a national title contender. After what Florida did to them, what an SEC school did to them in the bowl game, what Ohio State did to them in in the regular season finale, I don't, I just don't think they're there yet. Do you? So, no. No. Well, I, listen, I will say this. I've been back and forth on Harbaugh so many times, I can't remember what I've said. Right. You know, because he's so polarizing. Um, you know, one one time they'll go on a streak and win games, and the defense looks amazing, and they're built for a national championship, and then they'll just absolutely lay an egg. Yeah. And it's just hard to figure them out. Obviously, they're coming off a horrible bowl loss. They're coming off an embarrassing loss to Ohio State. They have no momentum going into next season, but they do have Shea Patterson back. Uh, they've got some talent on defense, although they do lose some guys. Uh, Don Brown's a great defensive coordinator. I think it's going to come down to the defense saved that team quite a bit. And if they can't save them in every game, they're not going to win every game. And that's what it takes to win a national championship these days. So, uh, But I, I will say this. I think of the teams that haven't won a national championship in recent years on this recruiting list, I think Georgia... Texas, and, and I said Texas, not Oklahoma, mm-hmm. Texas and Michigan are the ones to watch for right now. Not Oklahoma? Why didn't, I, why didn't I say Oklahoma? Because I still worry about that defense, man. I, I am a big Spencer Rattler fan. I am a huge fan, as you know, of, of Hazelwood and Weiss and Bridges, the wide receivers. The offense got better. The defense didn't. Yeah. I, I'm sorry. You know, Woody Washington is a heck of a player. Jer- Jeremiah Cordell is a heck of a player in high school. Marcus Stripling looks like a billion bucks. But I just don't see these guys going off there and being coached up properly so that the defense can give them an opportunity to win the national championship. Now, they've been in the playoff with just offense. 
whereas Texas hasn't been there at all. But I think balance is the key. Now my dog's crying to get out. Um, balance is the key, and I think Texas has more balance in the recruiting classes, you know, over the last couple of years, especially this year when it comes to defensive players and a better defense. So, you know, I don't know. Like, I want to say Oklahoma because the way they, they run their offense, but that defense worries me so much. And and Texas's recruiting class is one that, strangely, we haven't talked a whole bunch about. Um, but, but Tyler Owens, you know, they just replenished on uh, – in this in the secondary and they have a lot of young talent in talent in the secondary already um you know i think chris adamore out of california is a kid who committed early who was who's very very talented tyler owens is is clearly one of the better players in this class do you think brew made the right decision by going to texas kind of maybe being that next colin johnson little jordan humphrey big time outside receiver in a conference that you know Let's people move trouble up and down the those. field. Yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> they they use their tall wide receivers extremely well at Texas, and Brew McCoy is in that mold for sure. And I will tell you, I think the key recruit in this class, and the kid that I like the most because he's so versatile, is Jake Smith. Mm-hmm. Uh, your neck of the woods there. I know you're not you don't live in Arizona, but West Coast is yours. Yeah. I think if they use that kid properly, he's going to be an absolute weapon. I love Jordan Whittington as well. If he doesn't work out as a thick possession wide receiver he's going to be a safety that'll knock your head off these type of guys that can play offense or defense or do so many different things are key so when you look at texas versus oklahoma in the recruiting class they're both great recruiting classes uh but i just think texas has got the more physical class the better defensive class and and i just think that they're going to be the team to beat now you know it's hard to say that oklahoma's been there done that texas hasn't done anything yeah. Um, you know, but I think they're trending in that direction. More so Georgia, of course, you know, the way they're recruiting. And then Michigan. I think Harbaugh is going to win a national championship. I, I do. I just don't know when it's going to be. I don't think he's going to go off to the NFL. I don't think he's going to quit on Michigan. It might not be for five or six years. But with, with, with Urban Meyer gone, uh, the door is open definitely for them to win the Big Ten coming up uh, over the next few years and, and get into the playoff. And then from there, you know, you just got to get hot. And like you said about Jake Smith, I think he could be the, the real key to this class. And I don't want to say that I hope we didn't miss on making him a five-star because that would limit his college career. But this kid is a guy who, you know, can run the ball between the tackles, run it outside, catch it out of the backfield, split out, be a wide receiver. He can do – a lot of everything. Uh, Tom Luganville compared him to Christian McCaffrey yesterday, which is quite the comparison. But it's it's ve- I think he's actually more dynamic as a pass catcher than McCaffrey was. McCaffrey was mainly a running back who could also catch passes, but Smith I think is mainly a wide receiver who could also run the ball. So I think that's a tremendous pickup and and big for Texas to be able to go into Arizona and get him. Yeah, and this national recruiting is what it takes. When you look at these programs who have won national titles, Alabama can recruit nationally. Clemson's been recruiting nationally. Um, you know, Georgia now recruiting nationally. Texas is recruiting nationally. This isn't your Mac Brown class. Mm-hmm. This isn't your, you know, this isn't your weird Charlie Strong class either with like six guys from Florida that are never going to make it on campus. This is, you know, kids from California, from Texas, from Arizona, from Missouri, 
from Georgia and, and high-level kids. You know, JUCOs from Kansas, Louisiana prospects, on and on it goes. They really are recruiting nationally, and uh, I think that's the key. So I like that as well. You know, I think Oklahoma is recruiting very well also. You know, they've got some good players from different areas. You know, Hazelwood was a big one from Georgia. They're going into SEC country. Rattlers from Arizona. Woody Washington's from Tennessee. You know, Stacey Wilkins from Arkansas. They're doing a very good job recruiting nationally, too. So it's going to be very interesting to see. Will it be the offense of Oklahoma, which I think is better than Texas, uh, moving forward based on recruiting and current personnel? Or the defense of Texas, which I think is going to be one of the best defenses in the Big 12. What is it? Uh, offense? No, not defense wins championships. There's a new saying out that uh, defense sells tickets, but offense something. I don't know. I'll, 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 offense I'll, is offense is stupid. <laughs> defense wins championships. Bill Belichick just so showed uh, your boy McVeigh exactly how we do things. Yeah, that was impressive, huh? Well, I mean, you know, it comes down to that. If you can have a defense. That can keep you in the game if your offense is sputtering, then you're 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 in great shape. If you have a defense that can't stop, look at look at the Alabama Oklahoma game. It yep. was over before it started. Oklahoma never had a chance to come back in that game, and they made a really good push, but it was over. It's twenty-eight nothing. Yeah, done. So if your defense is a sieve, you're in big big trouble. Uh, if your offense starts slowly, and I think that's where Texas is more well-rounded. So. Um, I think Florida down the line is going to be in this discussion as well. Um, the problem with them is they've got Georgia in their conference, in yeah. their division. Yeah. Um, so that's, that's going to be difficult for them. But, you know, Georgia and Alabama are clearly the class of the SEC. Clemson clearly the class of the ACC. Um, you know, the Big 12 have already talked about those two. The Big 10, it, it turns out, you know, Michigan had the number one class, Penn State number two, Nebraska number three, which is very impressive for them because they have to go on the road for every recruit. I mean, it's really difficult recruiting at Nebraska, and it's a class of 27 kids. So this is going to be like the make-or-break class for Scott Frost. This is a huge class, um, and Ohio State fourth. But, you know, still, I think, obviously, Michigan, Ohio State, and Penn State are the three class um biggest programs in, in that conference, but the Pac-12, what a nightmare. I mean, Oregon did very well recruiting everybody else. 3.3 average star ranking yep. for USC. Yep. And, and gross. One five-star in the entire conference. In the entire conference. Yep. And USC with no five-stars for the first time since what, like 2002? Yeah, and 13 three-stars. Um, so... Washington and Oregon had more four stars. Um, yeah, this was not a class. And down the stretch, quite honestly, it felt like USC was just trying to find guys to take so they could fill out the class. I mean, they were taking some stretch guys who didn't have many Pac-12 offers and either were offered late or kind of going around the country taking JUCO guys. This was not a very, very good class. If Pukunakua stays there, which it looks like he won't, <clears throat> My guess would be that he goes elsewhere now. Um, I mean, if he wanted to go to USC, nothing is changing there, and he didn't sign with them yesterday as he waits to see who Oregon hires as their wide receiver coach. Um, they have some talent in this class. Drake Jackson is was very, very good in San Antonio. Kyle Ford 
but he's not an immediate contributor because he's coming off of a knee injury and, and they're stocked at, at wide receiver. Um, USC has talent on offense. It's just a question of the line play for them. Do they have anybody on the offensive line who can do anything? And the question out here has become, do they develop anybody? Um, Damian Mama was just as big as he was in high school as he was in college and then you know, had a terrible combine. Name the last USC offensive lineman who has done much. Uh, you know, Iman Marshall was the same player in high school that he was in college. And then the guys that they've lost throughout the years, to, no fault of their own, but Jack Jones and Jody Lewis and many others. Um, this program is trending in the wrong direction. And you're starting to hear it from kids. You know, I went to my first seven on seven, Mike, last weekend in the rain. It was, it was a thrill. That sounds fun. And, uh, people were talking about visiting Texas and visiting Alabama and visiting Clemson and visiting Oklahoma, and Washington, and Oregon, and no one really was all that interested in USC. So that has changed in the last few years, and it has to be a concern because this 2020 class out here is phenomenal. And honestly, USC is not really involved at the highest level with, with many of them at all. Yeah, and that's that's a problem. And I think we're far away from seeing a Pac-12 team make the playoffs. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, I just don't know which team you could point to if it's not going to be USC. I mean, Washington obviously had a, a bit of a disappointing year last year, I think, um, you know, overall. Yeah. They were supposed to be the one that was a contender. And Stanford's usually good, but their recruiting's been down as well. I mean, this was not a good Stanford recruiting class either. And these other programs are pretty much also rants when it comes to any hope for the playoff. You know, you're not going to get your... Arizona's and your Arizona State's and your Utah's into the playoffs. It's no. not going to happen. So it's really on Oregon and USC and Washington, and I don't think any of them are ready. So the Pac-12 problem is big because most of the California kids, most of the West Coast kids decided to head across the country or go someplace else. Um, you know, And that's the first time it, since I've been doing this that that's happened. Yeah. Um, you know, usually USC gets, you know, four or five, five stars in February. Yeah. You know, kids that we all know are going there, like a Dory Jackson, even though they visit 50 places, Iman Marshall, even though they visit 50 places, they, they usually decide to end up at USC. And, and this situation, everybody was avoiding USC like the plague. So I'm not really sure when they're going to turn it around. Well, I do know when they're going to turn it around. It's when they fire Clay Hilton. And get a real coach in there not a not a not a real coach i mean he's not not that he's not a real coach they got to get a big name in there they got to get someone who can recruit at a dynamic level get everybody excited about it you know jim mora was talking yesterday in between making every excuse on earth <laughs> for why he's not at ucla anymore because of the academic restrictions he faces i know you think he's you coaching I, at oxford or something you and i both know it's crap i mean ucla is a good school so is North Carolina. You could still get anybody in. It's just, it's just life. You know, this isn't Stanford. So that's all he talked about. Um, but, you know, it's just, it's it's one of those situations where, you know, you don't want to play it with, again, in front of 30,000 people. Right. You just don't. When you take visits and you go to spring games with 80,000 people there, you go to visits to, 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 Stadiums with 105,000 people and it's packed and everybody's going nuts. And then you go to the Coliseum, it's like, ugh. Yeah, and, and that is Los Angeles. I mean, that is 
first of all, the Rams doing really well probably kills USC game days because um, everybody's gearing up to go see the Rams, and it's it's different. I've been at I've been at the Coliseum. I've been to every stadium you could probably imagine, and I've seen every game environment. And the USC game environment's honestly very average. So, um, you know, when Joe Nagata goes to Clemson, he falls in love. Chris Steele goes to the to the swamp. When Brew McCoy, who literally has his entire high school team playing at USC and is basically a feeder school to USC, enrolls and then is like, nah, I don't want any part of this and goes to Texas, those are problems. So they got one of the top eight kids in the state and two of the top 22 kids in California, USC did. Everyone else went to Oregon or out of state, you know? Um, USC tried to get involved late with Ryan Holinsky, wanted no part of it, went to South Carolina, you know? I mean, these are problems that need to be addressed and fixed. And the 2019 class wasn't the greatest um, in California, but it's still a major problem uh, that all those modern day kids went to Oregon or Texas, and those, you know, if you if you get Brew McCoy and Sean Dollars and Mace Funa and Cradell, right there, it's a pretty solid start to your recruiting class, and they got none of those kids. Chris Steele had been committed. They hardly recruited Kayvon Thibodeau. Brew McCoy had been committed. Uh, you know, Jonah Ta'anu, who's a city kid, goes to Oregon. Um, Michael Pittman's brother had no interest because they didn't like how they used Michael in the offense. The Gabriel Floyd was committed. Uh, this is just a, a lot of misses for USC, and it's not going to put him back in the national title hunt, that's for sure. Nope. A couple other winners from yesterday to me, Florida, Ole Miss, and Tennessee, all SEC programs. Florida closing well, getting Chris Bogle from Alabama and closing on Kyrie Elam, whose uncle Matt was a five-star uh, for us back in the day. Uh, <laughs> important for them to close strong. They finished in the top 10. Ole Miss had a really good day. I yeah. thought, you know, they flipped Ladarius Cox from Tennessee. They kept Jerry on Ely, got him to recommit, which is huge if he plays football because that kid's really good. Uh, they they got Lakia Henry, Juco kid who was supposed to go to Arkansas. Um, you know, and, and, and um, Mingo also. Jonathan Mingo was a kid that they, they were worried they were going to lose to Mississippi State, so they kept him as well, and that, that was a big deal. And then Tennessee, Darnell Wright, you know, we all expected that one. We did not expect Henry Toto-Oto. Well, if you read... Is that how you pronounce it? To-Oto. To-Oto. Yeah. Oh, God. If you read, if you read VolQuest yesterday, you did expect it, Mike. Yeah, well, I don't know what to tell you. Is Auburn, <laughs> is, is, is Auburn a winner? I, even losing Pickens, I mean, they they well, did you, clean up. If you read the Auburn side, they were getting everybody. So <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't. I think the I think the fans are a little disappointed with Auburn, um, you know, because they lost Pickens. But I, I think you know they're thirteenth in the country. I think Charles Moore five, could be seven. a star. I think Charles yeah, Moore could be a star really there. Really good, and they, they do really well uh, defensive line recruiting for sure. Yeah. Um, Kamar Bell is a big position need for them out of Georgia, interior offensive lineman. Mark Anthony Richards is also, uh, you know, a very talented kid they can use in, in, in a lot of different ways. A lot of people thought he was going to follow his brother and go to Miami. So, you know, I, I think they had a good day. You know, yeah. I think it's just 
the fact that they lost out on Pickens and, and, you know, a couple other guys that they were hoping to get. They were hoping to sign as many as nine kids, and they signed four. So, you know, it really depends on your expectations going in. I, I, I always, you know, I always temper my expectations when it comes to things like that. And, um, you know, I didn't expect them to sign close to double-digit guys. Yeah. I guess they, I guess they got five guys. <clears throat> but it's not nine. But yeah, they, they had a they had a pretty good day. Um, but I I, I, I I really think Florida probably was the story of the day when it comes to closing and you know Dan Mullen being criticized. You know, is this another Jim McElwain type recruiter? You know, Florida should always be in the top five. Uh, you know, the early signing period they finished okay. They, they got a few guys, but. If they didn't get those Lakeland kids, it would have been a bit of a disaster. Um, you know, closing and finishing number eight in the country is is very impressive for them. Yeah, and they're off to a really good start in 2022, especially at wide receiver Leonard Manuel. We'll see if that sticks. He has been a kid that has already bounced around quite a bit. Um, and then the Jay Frazier's kid, Jaquavion Frazier's, was awesome looking in San Antonio. Just a massive, long, athletic wide receiver. So... Those are two kids to start 2020 with. So I, I have no problem with Dan Mullen recruiting or coaching. I think he's phenomenal, and I think he'll start really competing with Kirby. Maybe not at that level of recruiting, but in terms of a coach, X's and O's guy, this is a guy who had Mississippi State number one in the country. So I think he's phenomenal, and I think he's going to do well there. So what do you think about Penn State? The Knits. Are you happy? Yeah, I'm. I'm happy. I'm. I'm fine. Did Did you? Uh, I'll talk about the class in a second. But did you see James Franklin had an, an impassioned speech about the transfer portal and the problems no, that it. it could be? It seems it, that seemed to be like the talking point of many coaches. Um, and and they got yeah, stung with a, a lot a of nightmare. transfers, and it's a nightmare, and it's opening up a lot of problems. And he went on a philosophical rant about how uh players you know you need to struggle and people want immediate satisfaction and and all those kinds of things um and jim mora went on also kind of a rant about this um but uh in terms of their class uh yeah i like what they did do i think it's elite level do i think it's top five in the country do i think that it takes them and makes them beat ohio state and michigan consistently over the next few years i'm not entirely sure i think they did awesome at running back i'm not sold on john dunmore playing in cold weather i'm just not i I don't know if that kid has the the want to to be dynamic in that in that sense all year round in a tough mean conference like the big 10 is Uh, michael johnson jr is a project at quarterback um, but i think adisa isaac is very very good um and uh I think it's an okay class. I just don't think it's elite level class. They could still get Nick Cross too, who was that would be deciding. Yeah, that would be big because he is very much like Jaden Woodby is at Florida State, and I think that's what Florida State people liked about Nick Cross. He he's a big physical kid who makes a ton of plays and is all around the football all the time. So if they get Nick Cross in this class, I'm much more excited about it. But there there is some development that needs to be done to to make these guys you know national contenders biggest surprise class to me was nebraska 
because they finished 16th in the country, which is very, very hard to do for Nebraska. But uh, you could make a case for what other team? For one other team? Yeah, come on. It's right there. Just look up and down the top 20 and just figure out which team doesn't belong. Arkansas. There you go. I think Tennessee at 12 is a surprise for how they played last year. I think that's a surprise. Um, South Carolina, ahead of Ohio State, ahead of Stanford, ahead of a lot of other good teams. I think that's a little bit of a surprise. And then Florida State, worst finish in a decade at 15. That's, you know, that's surprising. Willie Taggart was brought in because he's a great recruiter. And, uh, you know, I, I don't think that class is all that, all that special. Yeah, when's the last time you saw a team go two cycles without taking a quarterback? I know, and he said he had a plan, but he wasn't going to tell anybody what the plan was. So yeah, he doesn't. He doesn't have a plan. He doesn't have, <laughs> exactly, they don't have a plan. Their plan was Lance Lejeune or whatever his name is, and uh, that plan went well, to plan, Maryland. Yeah, what, their first plan was Sam Howell, and he ended up going to play for Mac Brown. So when was the last time you saw Florida State lose two quarterbacks to two vastly inferior ACC teams? Yeah, it doesn't happen. And I think no. the last time I saw a team go two cycles without taking a quarterback was like in the late 2000s with Penn State. Yeah. And it was a disaster for them. Yeah. So like right before, I think they they got like Kevin Newsom and, and those guys. But they went two straight classes in 2007 and 2008, I believe, without a quarterback. And you just can't do that. Well, what's scary no now is – they lost, they lost those two, but then they also lost Francois. So you're talking about three. You know, they have one quarterback on, 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 on the roster that's at all legitimate. So they got to hit the transfer portal pretty hard. But I don't even know who's available in the transfer portal right now. That would be a worthwhile take. Yeah, that, that could set them back quite a bit, you know, because uh, 2007, 2008, it was Penn State, and they didn't take a quarterback either of those years. So then what they did in 2009 is they took two quarterbacks, uh, which we all know never works. Or maybe yeah. it was 2010 they took two quarterbacks. And, uh, you know, then one ends up transferring. And, and things just, I don't know. you, you got to take one a year. Yeah, remember Robert Bolden and Paul Jones? Right. Yeah, they took those two in 2010 after Kevin Newsom in 2009. Not, not a one of them turned out to be any good. No, so, no. You know, you got to hit and you got to have a quarterback every year so that if you do miss one year, you got the other guy the other year. You know, they've got the opposite problem of, of Georgia, who had too many good quarterbacks and lost two of them to transfer. But I'm not sure what Florida State is going to do at the quarterback position. Um, if I'm a Florida State fan, if I'm a Miami fan, I'm a, I'm a little bit worried. Uh, recruiting didn't go well for me in 2019, and, and it did for Florida. So Florida definitely takes the state. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, I think they had the best season, and Miami is coming off a very disappointing season, and they're switching coaches. And I think Manny Diaz will be able to recruit South Florida better. Um, I was watching Mark Richt on ESPN yesterday. The guy seemed like he just wanted to be on the beach, and he was done. I mean, he was – he just – did not seem he was like he was into it anymore. So, um, you know, I, I am surprised by Florida State's struggles and their lack of ability to have a top five or ten class. And I think it was because they had a bad season. 
But it's not exactly like they recruited to have a great season this year and that they're bringing back all of this incredible talent and they're going to be able to beat Clemson. So I think the the gap between Clemson and Florida State is getting bigger. Um, It'll be interesting to see how Miami can recruit South Florida. It's not going well right now, I can tell you that. Um, I'm, I'm looking up and down this commit list and, you know, there's a lot of Florida early guys that were committed and were going to go there regardless. But all these late kids, Alabama, two kids from Middle Village, New York, which is not exactly um, a football capital of the world. Um, you know, a, a lot of their kids late are two-star kids. This is trying to fill out a class, and uh, I'm not sure it's up to Miami's expectations. So I think we'll wrap that up, and then maybe next week we'll go into some of the players and stuff, because I know there's some guys that you and I like differently uh, in this class, and as far as early impact and who can be the next first-rounder in a certain position, and on and on and on, because there's really no reason to talk about 2020. I mean, it's just too early. Sure. And we're going to have to have some topics to talk about. So we don't want to, we don't want to let it all go here. So <laughs> Gorney, Godfather Gorney podcast is back. I tweeted that out. I got two likes. We're back. <laughs> we're back, baby. Two likes. Are we back? Are we back on to do it weekly now? Is that what we're doing? That? I don't know. I have no idea. I really don't know. It was, it was so like interesting not doing it. <laughs> By interesting, do you mean good? <laughs> kind of like wake up on a Monday morning and you don't have to worry about talking into a microphone and that stuff. <laughs> we should probably do it if we want to build a, a, a listenership. We got to be consistent with it. Let's do it, Mike. I mean, Let's. Do, we our, could do our, it. Our, our competitors are commitment issues, and they're they're way ahead of us right now. We were gaining on them a little bit, but they're way ahead of us now. So. I'll inflate the numbers properly. Don't worry about it. Yeah. Well, hit those message boards, Mr. Popular. Yeah. Hey, did you see the cookie I got made for Rivals? Do you have access to those message boards, Mike? I always wonder. Stop. Stop. When I go on there, it's like like a celebrity showing up for dinner. (laughs) Oh, that's what it's like. (laughs) I just get mobbed. You know what I'm saying? I can't enjoy my dinner. I'm signing autographs and all this other crap. It's just... You know, when you go on there, it's very low-key. Right. It's fine. Right. Did you guys see the cookie I had made? No. Go to my Twitter. Great American Cookies made a Rivals cookie. Hold on. Let me get there. But I didn't get it. They just made it and didn't send it to me. <laughs> well, that's kind of the, the point. The... It's not. I wanted the cookie. I wanted oh, to eat it. That's a pretty cool cookie. Yeah, because they make huge cookies. It is heavy on the frosting, though, I must say. Oh, that's what I like. No. How, how do I find this cookie? Uh, go to my Twitter. It's three down. Okay. It's nice, right? It is nice. I like it. Go to my Twitter feed if you want to see a really nice cookie. Oh, wow. It looks big. Is, is that, like, how big yeah, is that? Yeah, they're big. They're huge. They're, like, the size of a cake. That's why I wanted it sent to me. So originally they were going to send me uh, a bunch for the guys in the office. And then I told them, well, I work alone in my house like a loser. But you could still send me a ton because I'm fat. Well, they could still send them to each of us. Way way to share the love, Mike. But then they said, oh, well, um, what did they say? 
Wanted to show you that Great American Cookie still roots for rivals. While we're unfortunately not able to get this cake to you, feel free to share the photo. <laughs> I'm like, okay, you guys want free publicity from me, of course. But <laughs> well, that's I want, cool. I wanted, I wanted the cookie. They're based so. out of Atlanta, <laughs> recruiting hotbed. Oh, yeah. Are they? Yeah. Oh, Jesus. Great Woody keeps Act them well. in business, I think. <laughs> yeah, we got to keep Woody away from them. Can <laughs> <Right. laughs> I say Jesus Christ on this podcast? Uh, sure. Sure. Why not? I think that that one Woody at a cookie place is worth a Jesus Christ, right? <laughs> it's not like you're saying <laughs> or. Uh, are you gonna bleep those? <laughs> of course I am. <laughs> that's awesome. I'm the one. Can who we edits. swear then? I'm the one who edits this thing. Of course I gotta. Well, bleep if you that. edit it, can we can we swear through the whole thing and have you bleep it? Yeah. Anytime. <laughs> are you serious? Just remember that it makes more work for me. <laughs> yeah, I don't care about that. <laughs> you, Dave Barry. <laughs> This is All right, great. There's a, there's a good time to wrap this thing up. Let me <laughs> give everybody our awesome. let me give everybody our Twitter handles real quick. Uh, at rivals Mike, at Adam Gorney, and at Real Dave Barry. Uh, we will see everybody again if we're doing this again on a weekly basis. We'll see everybody again next week. Yay.